Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palette. A podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each, each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. And I'm Jen. And I'm Katie. Cheers. 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 Uh, I'm going to clink the computer. Hey, we can clink the computer. I like that. Clink. And Did everyone drink? Everyone's drank. Okay. And uh, drink. Everyone's drank. I, I, drank. Everybody has drank. And and we haven't even been drinking that much, people. And the intro is already kind of rough. So I think we know what we're in for here. Yep. Yep. Mark already spilled his drinks. All I did. I thought we weren't talking about that, guys. Uh, I think we had to. <laughs> okay. Or later. It was, you know, I feel like kind of a perfect start. We might have delayed this recording because somebody spilled their aperitif and their digestif all over the floor. Mm -hmm. In the closet. In the closet. Yes. Mark is currently in the closet, everybody. I've been, <laughs> hey, I've been delegated to the closet for sound and other purposes. <sighs> but Jen, of course, you've been here a bajillion times. You are the unsophisticated palate. Yes. But we have and, a very special person here with us today. Well, this is Katie's second appearance. It is. Yes, she was with us, uh, at, or with me particularly, in Peru for our Pisco episode. But Woo! welcome back, Katie. Yay! Thank you. I'm happy to be I, here. I am so excited that the three of us get to be here together, even if it's virtually. Me yes, too. I agree. Very special. Yeah, and these three, we are actually the three with a very beginning idea thought tank that that became the unsophisticated palette it is true i will say that mark and i have run quite a few ideas by katie over here and she you know i yes i have contributed immensely i like to believe a lot of behind and the scenes behind the scenes critique as well yes it's true, <laughs> it's true. much appreciated but, but I am the biggest fan. It's true. She is our number one fan. Number I, one. There are other people out there who might think they're our number one fan, but sorry. It's Katie. It is Katie. She is our number one. Number I'm one fan. The winner. Yeah. I was saying the winner who gets to join us today. So I'm super excited. I know. It was her prize, everybody. It was her prize. It was, you know, I don't know about <laughs> the contest, but. Did Katie we not mention the contest? Oh, no. It was <laughs> And she was a big winner. <laughs> Cheers to you, Katie. Cheers to you. Oh, thanks. Um, so today, uh, Mark kind of alluded to it, but we're talking about aperitifs and digestifs, which are currently also pulled around Mark's feet in his closet. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I use the towel. They're, you know, they're just dampness. <laughs> dampness. <laughs> Word of the day. What I'm hearing is it's very moist in there. It is quite moist in the closet at the moment. So gross. <laughs> so gross. Um, so should we maybe start by talking about maybe what some of these things are? You start with an aperitif. So let's start with an aperitif. Yes. Start. So, well, did you guys know that the word aperitif comes from the Latin word aperire? I am so glad that you said that because I didn't want to try to pronounce it and Mark should never try to pronounce oh, words like I that. Actually, I actually, he would. I love when he does, well, his little accents or tries to pronounce foreign words. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, but it means to open, which is kind of perfect because it is what you consume. 
to, to open a meal. Anyone else want to share about what they know about aperitifs? Uh, yeah, sure. So in France, the traditional aperitif is a friendly ritual and it kind of centers around dinner with relatives, friends, and the word aperitif actually designates both the drink and the convivial, I hope I said that right, oh, yeah, convivial. which means Fancy. friendly, friendly, lively, enjoyable, and you know, they're talking about the moment before the meal. So let's get together and start with some aperitifs. Well, and, and actually I kind of saw this, this was a, a way I thought it kind of made sense is, that they're they're kind of the appetizers of the spirit world. So like you'd have an appetizer for a meal. It's an appetizer for the rest of your drinks for the evening. It is your first drink. Yeah. Like Jen said, mentioned to open up. And and actually you guys can talk about this. I personally cannot, but uh, in Italy, an aperitif is not the drink nor the meal appetizer. It is actually a both. And I, I, it's noted that you, if you get an aperitif in Italy, you get a, a tray of delicacies and a glass. And I know you guys were recently there. Yeah, they actually call it aperitivo hour there. Nice. Kind of like happy hour, but they call it aperitivo hour. And the whole point is to stimulate your appetite and to get you prepared for the meal ahead. Um, and so they do, they give you like certain little snacks that might be a little saltier. You won't usually find something that's overly sweet or anything like that do we want to talk about like typical things you would find there yes why oh. not yeah do you want it katie you go yes. for it okay well well so in italy where we went to aperitivo hour we had it's so bourgeois saying that i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we had uh aperol spritz and and actually we had several different types of aperol spritz a tray of different types of uh, snacky items. So uh, olives. Specifically, what that aperitivo hour was called? I it was called. It was called fish and spritz. Oh yes, that's right. Fish and spritz. <laughs> that just so, okay. That was so, the one that she's talking about. It was hands down one of the best aperitivo hours I've ever been to. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So we had a, a sort of like a mini tray of different types of fish, olives, nuts. It was an incredible. And it's free as part of the, the aperitivo hour. So you buy your drink and it comes with also all of these snacky items. So much fun. Such a great way to spend time with your friends before a, a full meal. Yeah. And the thing about the Aperol spritz and drinks like that, that you're starting your meal with is these drinks tend to be pretty dry maybe a little bitter, lower in alcohol, because they say that the alcohol tends to dull your taste buds. Well, and you also don't want to get, well, you don't want to get too hammered before dinner. Uh, <laughs> that's also going to make it so that you can't taste your food quite as well. So um, you have to be a little careful, careful at aperitivo hour. I'm going to say that at our fish and spritz, we perhaps were not quite as careful because <laughs> we were not maybe using it for the intended purpose. However, really the intention of it is to prepare your, your palate for the upcoming meal. So when you have your aperitivo, don't start pounding beverages, people. There you go. Correct. It's yeah. not like, let, let's do this. Let's have well, a ton of Prosecco or let's have 
a ton of Aperol spritzes. I mean, they are delicious. I'm having one right now. Yes. And it, it looks delicious. I'm jealous. When you're having Aperol spritz. Katie and I are, are having French 75s. Is that Yeah, why don't you say what's in a French 75? Well, well, we'll hit that in, in a couple of minutes because we're going to talk about some different types of them. But first, I also wanted to enhance a little bit on what you were saying is that yeah. the idea is to prepare your taste buds and get ready for the meal that's coming, like you said. And it said lower alcohol, which I kind of said read several places it was like between 16 to 25 percent alcohol which to me i'm like that's kind of high but then when you think about like when you're comparing to like a whiskey or a gin when you're like 40 50 percent plus alcohol it is and the part of the reason is as you were mentioning higher alcohol will actually dull the taste buds and you don't want to dull the taste buds right before you're about to go out and eat a wonderful meal well and a lot of times they're mixing those alcohols with other things to kind of get your taste buds ready. Get them all just fired like, up. Get them all fired up. Just like we're having them combined, like you're in your French 75 and my Aperol spritz. So, yeah. so, you know, one of the things that I read was that they are oftentimes bitter. So as mm -hmm. in the case of Aperol, uh, Campari, gin, they're bitter and <laughs> The thought is it gets your, your, your body thinking po bitter equals poison. I and heard that, so yes. we're going to start moving things through the digestive tract quickly. Huh. And so, yeah, it gets your I'm digestive so system okay. fired up. Yeah. I read that. I thought that was really interesting. Well, and sometimes when you guys think of bitter, I don't know about you, but when I think of bitter, I get, I, even just saying the word bitter, it makes me start to salivate. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like I start to get that feeling in the back of my tongue where I'm like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or like no, the sides of your cheeks, kind of, yeah. your jawbone. Yeah. Yep. People can't yep. see what we're, well, maybe I don't know if they're going to actually see, but you can't see what all of us are like playing with our faces right now. <laughs> we were, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, on the other thing, actually, I thought this was a good comparison along those lines is that if you've ever had like a super sweet soda or had a lot to drink before dinner, then you kind of know what it's like to go approaching a meal after that, like a super, again, super sweet soda. And then you go to try and eat. You're just kind of like, Oh, I'm not ready to eat. I vividly remember when my friend Melissa and I studied abroad in Italy. And this is when we first kind of were like getting into the whole wine thing. And we drank a ton of wine before dinner and we turned to each other. We're like, man, we're not even hungry. Yeah. And we're like, huh. I remember this so well. We're like, this is great. But then we were, we were like, maybe we won't get, maybe we won't get that in Italy. Turns out, <laughs> Good turns luck. out eventually, then you want the food later. But you get hungry, like, and then you get really sugar. hungry, um, and then yeah. you're drunk, so you eat but all the bad stuff. We did something to kind of suppress our appetite. We weren't as interested in the food because we drank way too much before dinner, before the big meal. We were like, eh, not that interested. So yeah, you need to be, you need to be careful. Yes. Well, and so let's go into a little bit, if you guys are ready, do you want to dive into some history? Yeah, let's dive into some history. Okay, I found the, the goes as far back as medieval times where the dinner guests would often drink a mixture of bitter herbs in their fruity wines to kind of, again, stimulate that digestion. Bitter herbs. And it was supposed bitter to also, uh, it, it, the wine was basically there so that you could swallow the herbs without gagging on them. <laughs> um, so oh. that's kind of like, you know, the herbs were to 
increase the digestive, if you added it with the alcohol to get the herbs down, probably not what you want to do for an aperitif, but that's when they kind of ish started, if you want to give them credit there. Interesting. Okay. Did you guys, did you find anything on the history, Katie? Or do you want me to? You go for it. Okay. So did you guys see anything about Antonio Benedetto, or Benedetto Carpano, who's the one who started the trend in Italy with the vermouth? He is the no. guy. He's the, the guy. He is the Mr. Father vermouth. of the aperitif. Yeah, I actually didn't realize that vermouth was a fortified wine until I started researching this. Okay, hold on. Maybe my research wasn't that good because I did not realize that okay, either. So all of a sudden, it was like, oh yeah, and maybe this source is incorrect, but it said that vermouth is a fortified wine. Well, one of these days we will be doing a vermouth episode, I'm assuming, or at least diving into it deeper on yeah, one. So we'll I have no idea. And there are all these prove or disprove that. Too. You know, there's the dry vermouth and there's the sweet vermouth. So there are all these different types of vermouth, but he's the man who got this, the whole vermouth thing started. There was in 1846, this French guy named Joseph Dubonnet. Did you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Do, you want, do you want to say it? I don't have no, to. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. So he <laughs> used another wine-based spirit um, into French foreign legionnaires who were living in North Africa. And he introduced it because it was thought to fight off malaria because it had quinine in it. Yes. Um, it's actually called Dubonnet. That's what this alcohol is called. So I just thought that was super interesting. So he's the one who kind of brought that in in the uh, mid-1800s. Which actually is a heavy ingredient in tonic. Exactly. Or it used to be a heavy ingredient. At this point, it's a very small ingredient. The quinine is, is in tonic water. So in every gin and tonic that I drink every night, I'm getting a little bit of malaria medicine. Which is great for the tropical area we live here in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> right? Um, you want to know something very interesting? So when I was, maybe, I've, I don't know if I've said this on a different episode, I can't remember, but when I was a bartender on the soda gun, the, the tonic was Q. That's how we oh, knew how it. Oh, funny. Quinine. So it wasn't like T for tonic, it was Q for quinine. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah. Nice. I'll never forget. That's how I always remember that it's in tonic or huh. was is whatever yeah. well uh, like i mean a lot of drinks and alcohols all kind of started as some kind of medicine and ended up as right. well we'll still call them medicine how's that <laughs> oh, i mean i feel very healthy especially during these uh quarantine times i have definitely been healing myself with quite a bit of alcohol i'm not gonna lie <laughs> as have i amen yep um, well, and so, of course, then in the 19th century is when I think it kind of came over to America with the advent of the cocktail, which was kind of started around prohibition time. I think we've talked about that a little bit before. It's kind of a way to sneak off and you'd have your pre-dinner drink because you couldn't get a drink in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how aperitifs came here. But aperitifs are not as big here, I think, as they should be. We really should be having more aperitifs. I agree. I mean, it's such a big part, especially of European culture, that I like. I was in Italy for a month this summer. That even when I came back, I it was kind of an interesting treat. Just I wanted it to be part of my regular life when I came. Right. You know, it was so nice that before dinner we would go and have like a little prosecco or an aperol spritz or something. 
it was just part of the culture and it felt very natural. And then coming back, you're like, oh, I kind of miss that. You know, it's just, it's kind of a nice, it feels right. Well, there it's more of an event. It's a family gathering. It's, it's yeah. something you do. So you have your aperitif and you have your meal and then you have, which we'll cover your digestive. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he, whereas I think in America, it's just like, get in, eat, get out. And it's totally. like fast. Yeah. And you don't, it's, it's not good. I heard, I read somewhere it was like, cause people, Americans think it's gluttonous to eat and spend that much time eating a meal. But to me, some of my best meals I've ever had just last hours, right? Oh yeah. So speaking of, of meals and aperitifs. So when Mark and I were in Switzerland several years ago and we went to a Michelin star restaurant, I Again, don't remember. Quite bourgeois Again, sounding. Totally, <laughs> totally bougie. Uh, 100%. We, um, we were invited in, you know, into the restaurant and the first thing that they offered was an aperitif and they basically just said, you know, whatever you want, we'll, we'll bring it to you. And they ushered us into a room where we could just relax on oh. a couch and they actually had aperitif. an aperitif room. I mean, that it was is amazing. How <laughs> should always be people. Right? Absolutely. Everybody, oh my God. Okay. Future house goals. Aperitif room. I didn't even know that that was a goal until right now. <laughs> I yeah. like it. I wanted it was amazing. Room, a little workout room, but now aperitif. Aperitif room. Oh my well, God, that was, was the amazing. first time I had the French 75, which we're drinking right now, which yeah. Katie made yeah. for us and Mark, it's delicious. No spilling in the aperitif room. No. Well, right, we're gonna give you a let's go with no promises. Mark gets, Mark gets a sippy cup. <laughs> I sippy cup. It would actually be fitting. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I'm talking. I spill stuff all the time. <laughs> I haven't spilled yet. Okay. I, I, you know what? It's going to be karma. I'm going to spill next. Right. Well, before we jump on to different kinds of aperitifs here a little bit, huh. I wanted to say not everybody is a fan of aperitifs. Did you know that? What? Yes. Who's not? Well, Diadakos of Fotiki. Oh from the fifth century. And yes, that was mispronounced. <laughs> Jen has her hands, head in her hands right now. But sometimes I wish that, this, that people could actually see me. <laughs> I'm kind of glad they require no words. <laughs> yes, no words. If there was ever a picture for no words, that's your face right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Can you repeat? I'm sorry. Can you repeat who is not a fan? Uh, yes, that would be Diadakos of Fotiki. Anyway, good old D. Good old D. <laughs> um, D of so P. <laughs> good old D. Good old D of P. <laughs> That's oh, what God. we're calling him now. Call him D of P. <laughs> Why not? Because it oh. sounds like a piece of genitalia. I just <laughs> realized that. <laughs> Well, it's fitting, okay? It's okay. fitting here, and here's why. Because here's what he had to say. God. He said that people who wish to discipline the sexual organs should avoid drinking those artificial concoctions, which are called aperitifs, presumably because they open the way to the stomach for the vast meal, which is to follow. I have to say, I read this during my research, too. I didn't know because Gen- I really wish I had. <laughs> I don't know how I missed this one. I'm like barely, I'm barely holding it together right now. In fact, I am 
shocked that Mark is the one bringing it up. I expected you to, Jen. <laughs> it does seem like something I would bring up, but I'm really glad he is the one who brought it up. Well, it's important to discipline the sexual organs, you know. And now I hear I'm not quite sure whether he's saying, I mean, I'm thinking. Crying. Yeah. Whether he's saying, like, you eat too much and then you, you like, can't do anything. You can't, like, do it because you're all drunk and fat, which we've had those moments. <laughs> or is he saying, oh my God. you know, like, like. I don't know. I don't know what he's saying there, but I just know he's apparently not an aperitif fan. Oh my god, this is good stuff. I don't even know where you go from here. Do you want? Do you, <laughs> does anybody want to elaborate? Podcast. <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who spent any time with me knows this is far from the end. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, for those of us who do like the aperitifs, let, let's talk about it. some different kinds of aperitifs. Aperitifs. I haven't even had that okay. much to drink, guys. Wow. So I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you doing okay there, Jen? <laughs> well, currently I am drinking an Aperol spritz. Yes. I'm just going to start with that. I'm going to start simple because it's here. Mm -hmm. um, so Aperol. It is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> bright orange. Um, it is so delicious. I agree. Sorry, are kind of in the same family, and they were—they're both created in Italy. They were created about 150 miles away from each other in different regions. They so basically to make an apérol spritz, you take the apérol, you have some prosecco, splash of soda water, some ice. I put a little orange in there. Voila. I remember exactly the first time I had one. It was actually at the same place I had the fish and spritz, but years earlier, maybe seven years earlier, I was sitting at this bar, um, at this hotel bar, and I saw these orange drinks go by and I was like, what on earth? I kept seeing them all over Italy. I'm like, what are these drinks? And this is before, because right now, Aperol spritz is kind of the craze. Like, you hear people spritzing all the time and whatever, but back then it wasn't <laughs> just spritzing really, all the time. It, was, it wasn't really a thing. Like you didn't hear about an Aperol spritz. And so I was like, what? We asked the bartender, like, what is this? And he goes, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to just show you. Oh, he made them for us. And we were like, Oh my God. It was a game changer. I basically drank those and nothing. Like it was my everyday drink for the rest of my time in Italy. It was like, I couldn't even believe it. I am going to tell you that my mother does not think they're strong enough. So she puts a <laughs> vodka in hers. What? No way. Oh, yeah. Lori loves oh. strong drink. And she, so she would, even in Italy, she would ask for a shot of vodka. Like, it's How did they take that in Italy? They loved her. They thought it was hilarious. She was, I mean, you would think that that would be like sacrilege, but they, she, they were like, all right. <laughs> she, the lady likes likes her booze. She I just just a little vodka, and so <laughs> <laughs> I mean here she is the boozy American. But oh yeah, so she makes hers with vodka. So that's the Lori method of making an Aperol spritz, not traditional, but you know, people have but their good. And Aperol, that's like now. Here's the thing: a lot. I've got to admit, my 
lack of knowledge, shall we say, around a lot of the aperitif stuff. I think that's lack of exposure and experience 100%. So I need to do more of that. But I also got to say, most of the things as I was looking through those, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Aperol, Campari, I mean, the list kind of goes on. And, and I'm like, I, I, I've heard of them before. You guys are laughing at my pronunciations. Yeah, so yeah you said Campari. It's Campari. Yeah. The, okay, there you go. <laughs> I actually, I have visuals for you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Campari. Campari. Jen okay. showing us an almost empty bottle of Campari. Yes, because I <laughs> love Campari almost as much as I love Aperol. Aperol. So should I just talk about this one too? Yeah, please. Well, no, let's, let's dive into that. But I just wanted to say, I mean, again, a lot of these, I, I think if people are unfamiliar with them, it's okay and normal because these are not things that at least in the States, uh, I think are common alcohols. Right. And I think people avoid them because like Campari, I wouldn't have known how to pronounce it right. and I wouldn't know what's in it. So if I see a drink with that, I'm probably not going to order it. Now yeah. I am though. Um, I actually think that you would probably, if you like Aperol, you'd probably like Campari. The flavor profile is pretty similar and it's this beautiful bright red color. There are two drinks that are pretty popular. One is like just Campari and soda. That's just a simple drink, but the Negroni is probably the most popular drink with Campari, which is Campari gin and sweet vermouth. Now you see those everywhere now too. That's something I don't know that I saw a lot of in the past, but now you see them everywhere. And Jen is modeling. She has the bottles for all the makings. I like a Negroni, but I actually prefer a Boulevardier, which I think you guys, well, you love gin. I like gin too, but oh, a Boulevardier. Boulevardier. I thought you said a bowl of RDA. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> so a what? It's basically the same thing as a Negroni, but instead of having gin, it has bourbon. So it's bourbon, Campari, and sweet vermouth. Frickin' okay. delicious. Frickin' delicious. Um, I need to stock up the bar here because there's no Aperol, there's no yeah. Campari, there's... Am I saying... I'm probably still saying that wrong. Um, right? It's Campari. Campari. It's Campari. I have to say, Mark, so after we are no longer on shelter in place, we should go have aperitifs, you know? Go out Everywhere. with friends, have new aperitifs new to you aperitifs because you were saying you don't you don't you haven't had the experience well sometimes yeah. you need your friends to introduce you to them yeah as, oh, 100%. As, jen has, as jen has done for me i mean i had not had the aperol spritz before going to italy with her and you had and a boulevardier at my house because i made I don't, them for i don't remember i don't oh yeah i do remember yes delicious mm -hmm. and i think mark would like that mm -hmm. they're really okay. good yeah, we'll definitely do that. Uh, we definitely need to spend some time doing the aperitif rounds with the friends and family and restaurants and everybody in between. Well, let's bring um, aperitivo hour to uh, stateside. Oh, no, I, I think it really needs to come here. Now, real quick, too, on, on Campari, Campari. Yeah. I found a little something interesting on that, Ooh. that the it is a ruby red Italian drink, in case you didn't know that. But its recipe is super guarded. It has been a secret since 1860. And so nobody really, really knows like what is in it. Is that true? Uh, it was on the internet, so it has to be. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Although I did multi-source that, and and I have seen that in several places. Like, I mean, you know, like, like you know, Aperol is rhubarb and stuff like that, but the Campari is again created about oh. the same time in a nearby area, but nobody really knows what's in it. Hmm. Very interesting. Oh, hold on. It does say it's believed to contain rhubarb and ginseng. But again, nobody knows. Gosh, I wish you guys were here right now so we could do like a little tasting. I would just pour you guys little, I could make you little minis. I wish we were there too. I know. Okay, I know. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to do up here at Tebow Hour before we know it. All right. It's happening. Okay. Uh, and uh, absinthe, mentioned that briefly. That is also another aperitif because uh, there's several kinds. What's that? Have you tasted it before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I never, actually, I've never tried it. Really? It's a pretty oh. strong herbal flavor. Yeah. I can recommend a good one. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll acquire a bottle of a good one and get it to you. Um, uh, did a whole episode on it with uh, Ann Arbor Distilling, and it's good stuff. Oh, okay. That's so, fine. Um, and again, a lot of these are ones I don't know. So it's. I'm just going to keep saying I've never tried this. I've never tried this and see how much alcohol I can get Mark to send me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so it's pastis, or I actually almost want to say pasties now. Uh, but it's P-S-T-I-S. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and he said okay. it was a, this it was from Ernest Hemingway, and he said it was oh. a greenish imitation of absinthe. It tastes like licorice and has a good uplift but it drops you just as far. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> and that Hemingway has a way with words. Yeah. Sure does. Did. And, and, and another, <laughs> while we're on, on the fun facts, do you guys know what the Queen's favorite aperitif is? Okay, can you give us a hint? We did mention one of the, actually we've mentioned, I think all of the ingredients in here at one point in time on this episode, but not together. Nope. It, no idea. It is a gin and dubonnet. Oh, interesting. Garnished with lemon. It is sometimes known as the Zaza. Ooh, I like it. I want to have the Zaza. Right? Who doesn't want a Zaza? <laughs> I need a little more Zaza in my life, guys. Hmm. Well, <laughs> you can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> You and the queen. Even the queen. Me and the queen. We're going to sit down for Zaza's. I'm oh sure God, she'll accept my invitation. I hope the queen's listening right now. Oh, yeah. That would, wouldn't that not be amazing? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so. Sitting on a Zaza listening to our episode. Right? Mm -hmm. Go queen. Is there something more to say on aperitifs? Well, I, yeah. I wanted to talk about a little bit about matching aperitifs with meals. So. Mm. You. That is something that you can do, or you, you know, you can always drink what you like. I'm a strong believer in drink what you like. Definitely. Um, but I did find some information on matching aperitifs with meals. And so I kind of think of it similarly to how you would match a wine or some other alcoholic beverage with a meal. So um, you don't want it to overflow into the main course, but you want it to kind of complement it. So for example, fish, seafood, poultry, you want something like champagne, drier white wine. If you're doing, uh, let's say a red meat for dinner, you might wanna do a red wine. They, uh, they also say sherry is appropriate for most dinner menus. Oh, you know what? I wanna, I'm sorry. 
keep going. But I do have something else to say about aperitifs, please. Uh, no, I mean, that was, that covered most of it. Drier wine, drier white wine aperitifs are good for light meals, fish, poultry, Mediterranean, and Asian dishes. It makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. But I never really thought much about the aperitif that I was drinking before the meal. In fact, typically when I'm ordering an aperitif, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner yet because I haven't even seen the menu. Right. right? Unless, yeah. unless it's an aperitif enjoyed at somebody's home or my home, but I don't typically try to match them. So it's interesting that, that they're are those options to try yeah. to match it. To I like know. the idea of trying to match it, but I'm with you. I, it, it's hard to match it because I'm usually drinking it because I have no idea what I'm drinking or eating later, right? It's whatever you feel like at the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the other thing I just wanted to say on that is, is they mention a lot of things like not being sweet, but a lot of the aperitifs are kind of sweet, including like your sherry, some of those others. And I'm like, they say, don't, don't have sweet ones, but then you have sherry, which is kind of like a port, which is, right. you know, and, and like even uh, my Aperol Switz, Spritz, woo! What was uh, that, Jen? <laughs> try that again. <laughs> Take two. Even my Aperol Spritz is not, I wouldn't say it's not sweet. No, it's, it's sweet. I agree. And this French 75 is a little on the sweet side too. Yeah. But then again, I guess it does have a little bit more element of, element of, bitterness or, or yeah. something to it from the, the lemon or the Aperol. And even on the sherry, I guess it's not as sweet as a port might be. But anyway, I just found that interesting. So this is aperitifs. We've done talking about aperitifs. We'll come back. We will definitely talk about the digestifs. We've been teasing about them all throughout this episode. So uh, come back and join us on our, our digestif episode. Until then, if you want more information, you can reach us at www.theunsophisticatedpalette.com. Uh, rate us with stars and stuff, right? Yep, that's right. All the stars. Five, five stars. Five stars, please. And Jen? Cheers. Drink responsibly. Wait, did I do it right? <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, <laughs> drink responsibly. <laughs> Cheers. But drink what you like. Cheers. Drink what you like. Cheers. Drink what you like. Cheers. Drink what you like. Cheers.